Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode number seven of the Trap Rock 101 podcast by Pirates and Poets. I am your host, John Burns. Appreciate you being with us. Uh, today is a very interesting conversation. Um, my friend Eric Babin, I've been lucky enough to call uh, EB a friend. And uh, is colleague a weird word to use? A colleague in the Trap Rock world? Uh, for five or six years now, uh, as you will hear in this episode, EB has a, uh, a really long history with the music and the community. Uh, attended his first uh, Trap Rock Parrothead event, Riddles in the Sand, back in the 90s. Yes, back in the 90s. Um, was not able to be as involved as he would have liked uh, for a long time because of his service in the Navy. It's kind of hard to go to your... Uh, Local clubs happy hour when you're on a ship in the middle of the ocean, but uh, he did what he could to stay in touch with the music in the community. And uh, when he got put on shore duty in Gulf Shores uh, in the mid-2010s, uh, 2014, 2015, uh, he became very involved in the local Parrothead trap rock scene there in Gulf Shores, um, helped out with Starsville in Alabama, hosted house concerts, and started doing some broadcasting for Radio A1A. In 2017, E.B. and his wife Gina bought Radio Trap Rock and quickly turned it into uh, the 800-pound gorilla of, uh, of Trap Rock Radio. And uh, they've won numerous TRMA awards, numerous People's Choice Awards. Um, they have traveled the country and met all kinds of people, broadcast from all kinds of events and house concerts and shows. Um, they have really, in my opinion, connected... Uh, connected people at home with what's going on in the greater trap rock community more than almost anybody has uh, any other entity um and i think we all we owe all of them a debt of gratitude for that yes i am a little biased because i am lucky enough to call eb and gina uh friends i can i consider them to be really good friends but i do think that they have uh, done something um for the community and for the musicians and the fans that uh, that nobody else has really been able to do on a large scale i do want to note that uh, this conversation between E.B. and I was recorded on July 16th. That was just a few days before uh, PHIP Board of Directors impeached Billy Bream as president. So, therefore, you do not hear uh, us discuss any of the craziness that has been going on uh, over the last week or so because this conversation was recorded before things got nuts. Um, I will tell you that uh, in the next week or two, I will have at least one, possibly as many as three or four episodes uh, discussing and trying to document um, the craziness that has uh, that's happened in the uh, Parrothead world over the last week or so. And of course, if it happens in the Parrothead world, it's going to affect the Trop Rock community as well because there's so much overlap. Um, so stay tuned for that. Um, as you probably know, I have been in the middle of all that. Uh, I have been raising more than my fair share of hell. But as as I discuss it in the next few episodes, I am definitely going to try to be uh, as impartial and unbiased as possible. It is it is impossible for me to be completely uh, unbiased. and uh, But I'm going to do my best to, to give other people a chance to share their point of views, even if they don't agree with, uh, even if they don't line up with mine. Anyway, forget all that for now. Just enjoy this conversation uh, with Eric Babin. Do want to ask you to please, please share the Radio Trap Rock. Uh, Radio Trap Rock. I messed that up really good. EB is going to love that. Uh, if you have time, please share the Trap Rock 101 podcast with your friends. Uh, you can find us on our website, piratesandpoets.net slash troprock101. We are also on Apple Podcast, on Spotify, on Podbean, and lots of other uh, podcast apps and websites uh i don't think we're everywhere we're, we're working to get added to a few more but uh we are we're available a whole lot of places now so anyway thank you for uh for listening thank you for your uh support of our community thank you for your involvement in this and uh enjoy eric babin well what a lot of people may not know because they know me now as Radio Trop Rock, at which we've had for four years now. Uh, actually, my Trop Rock roots and Parrothead roots go back much farther than that. I joined the Navy in 1991. My first tour in the Navy was on board the USS Antrim, which was doing drug ops in the Caribbean. And so every day at lunch, you know, we're traveling around the Caribbean and all this stuff, but every day at lunch, 
uh, we had, you know, an hour lunch, so we went to kill some time out on the flight deck. Uh, and we would sit back there uh, as we sailed the Caribbean. We'd lay out, get a tan, yeah, a bunch of Navy guys laying out. And But this friend of mine had a cassette, and it was Jimmy Buffett's Feeding Frenzy. And he goes, hey, you might want to listen to this. It kind of fits the mood for, you know, hanging out down here. So I put that cassette in, and I stole it from him. It ended up wearing that cassette out. And during this time when, you know, I was getting introduced to Buffett Music and feed, the Feeding Frenzy uh, cassette, we actually stopped in Key West doing a port visit. And so I headed over to Margaritaville. I went in there, and that was when I was first introduced to the term parrot head. And so, you know, I see this parrot head thing, and, and I asked the, the clerk there in the uh, gift shop, I'm like, what is a parrot head? So she explained it to me. I go, well, I guess I'm a parrot head then because, you know, I, I like Jimmy's music. And so my tour there kind of got me liking the Jimmy Buffett music and the lifestyle being stationed, you know, traveling around the Caribbean. Well, my next duty station was San Diego, California. So there in San Diego, California, I'm hanging out, ended up uh, marrying Gina around this time. And we started hanging out at this place called the Galley at the Marina in Chula Vista, which is uh, on the water just south of San Diego, right before you get to Tijuana. And lo and behold, we're introduced to this band that played there all the time called Coco Loco. Now, you don't know Coco Loco because they don't exist anymore, but I'll tell you who fronted Coco Loco. It was Jerry Gontang. So we started listening to Jerry Gontang, Gary Seiler. Uh, somehow we never ran across Bob Carwin or uh, Christopher Dale at that time. But so I started getting introduced to these people that were doing trop rock, wasn't called that then. But I'm like, well, this is the, the Jimmy Buffett lifestyle. Other people sing this music. And of course, we're from Texas. And so we saw this thing come across because we were members of the San Diego Parrothead Club. And it said, Riddles in the Sand in Galveston. And I'm like, well, that is cool. It's a, like a Parrothead uh, Jimmy Buffett fan party going on in Galveston. We're from Texas. What a great excuse to go visit some family and go down to Galveston. Strangely enough, we actually brought my in-laws down there. And she was on a plane telling people she was going to a Jimmy Buffett concert in Galveston because she, did, she didn't know. <laughs> and so... Uh, yeah, so Riddles in the Sand, and I think that was 1999, uh, Sonny Jim, Jim Hain, uh, Sate Somewhere, I think was playing it also, and that kind of got us in the mood for this trop rock thing, what ended up becoming trop rock uh, many years later. So and you've in actually between, seen Saint Somewhere play live then? Yes. I'm very jealous. I, I, never I, I don't remember it, you know, well, you know, it was a parenthood party, uh, but... So that was around 99. Then we started, you know, I was doing a lot of uh, uh, deployments to the Middle East, uh, to Djibouti and all these other places. And so I really, I didn't really get away from it, but I wasn't able to be uh, in it, you know, a member of a club and going to these events for, for a lot of years until we got stationed in Pensacola and then moved to Ghost Horse, Alabama, which is where, of course, uh, we joined the Lower Alabama Parrothead Club and really started getting into uh, the the events at that point. That's where we really dived into it. And we're able to spend more time doing it. Uh, it was a uh, stars fell on Alabama 2012, I think, or 13, 2013. And uh, that's when I met Tom Shepard for the first time. And by the way, I just gotten back from Djibouti when that happened. So that was kind of fun. <laughs> and that's when we really started getting into it. And I became a board member on the, uh, the Paraday club there because I was on shore duty, I knew I wasn't getting deployed. So I was able to spend more time and invest more time into being part of that parrot head lifestyle and that trop rock lifestyle. So that's how, in a long way, probably much longer than you, what you wanted me to explain, but that is how, uh, that's what got us to becoming into radio trop rock. Just prior to radio trop rock, we started doing house concerts, but I think everybody knows the story from that point when we were doing house concerts in Gulf Shores, Alabama. So that's how it happened. Yes, I think the first time you and I ever talked was because I was booking the detentions into your house concert series there. I remember that, and it's because we were doing we, – we, me and Gina told each other, we'll do one house concert per month and no more because, you know, it's, it's a lot of work. It's fun and all that, but when you have real jobs, it's tough. And so uh, we had booked the, the detentions for July 1st with, with your help, and then like a week later – Mike Nash contacts me and goes, hey, you want Southern Draw Band there on July 8th? I'm like, son of a – I was like, yes, yes, we're going to do that. So that was one time we had 
shows back-to-back weekends, and both of them went off very well. But the reason we did that is because uh, we were riding in a van with the St. Louis Paradead Club during one of the Meeting of the Minds, uh, probably around 2014, and uh, Southern Draw Band got in the van with us because they needed a ride from their, I think they were at the KOA at Sugarloaf, and they needed a ride down to uh, Key West. And so, you know, we're sitting there talking, and I was talking uh, to Paul, I think, I'm like, hey, you need to do a, a, a show at our house. And he's like, he's like, yeah, yeah, we'll do that. And Gina goes, you'll never get them. And so I took that as a challenge. And, of course, so when they said, you know, Mike said, we can be there July 8th, even though it was back-to-back weekends, we went in and took it. Yeah, who all, who all did you guys have there? Because you all did house concerts for two or three years probably? Uh, well, it seemed like two or three years. We, we had house concerts for one year. That's it. And we had a total of 15 shows. But we had, we, we had something a little different going on. We had main, major house concerts about once a month. And then every week we were doing the radio show, Happy Hour in the Big Beach on Radio A1A, every Friday afternoon at 4 p.m. And we would have an artist come in and we would interview them and they would sing a couple songs and we'd miss a drink. And we had a live studio audience for this. So there were some weeks when we had maybe 10 or 12 people just hanging out uh, and there were other weeks, like John Reno, I think we had 60 people for that one-hour show. It Damn, was crazy. I remember listening to that. That was a, that was a fun show. Uh, I think I listened to one uh, – I remember listening to one where you had Brent on there, Brent Burns. Yeah, he was, he was one of my first ones, and we ended up having him twice because we had an artist cancel at the last second, and so because Brent was local. So we had him come in. But the funniest thing ever, I think we had Eric Stone and uh, – he was there playing, and of course, I totally copied the show off of Greg Dumas's Happy Hour uh, that he did at Radio Margaritaville because I used to listen to that when uh, when I wasn't on on a ship and all that. And so I'm like, "That's cool, you know. I want to have a happy hour show. I'm going to do it at the exact same time that that Greg did his, and we're going to have drink recipes, which Greg did. And so we're sitting there, and our house is on pylons, and of course, behind me is like the 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 driveway and the street in front of me is the beach and the water. And so me and Eric are facing the beach and the water and our live studio audience is right in front of us. And so I'm sitting there and I see this hand come and we are live talking on the air and I see this hand come down and put a business card between me and Eric. And I'm like, you know, talking, talking, I look at it and it's Greg Dumas. And I'm like, Oh, I, I stole the show from him. And here he is. He, he actually showed up. So, but you know, of course he wasn't mad. So that was, that was fun. Yeah. Cause I guess that was the, uh, the year after uh, New Orleans, the New Orleans Margaritaville closed and that show right. stopped. So, yeah. yeah. You know, that seems like it was not that long ago, but it was actually five, pushing five years ago. I know, ago right? Now. So, yeah, it's crazy. So, while you're, while we're talking about it, uh, Radio Margaritaville, Greg Dumas, uh, Beachfront Radio, DJ Jeff Allen, how, how aware were you of, of them and, and other early radio people in the Sharper Rock world? I, well, obviously I was very aware of Radio Margaritaville because I was an avid listener. Uh, so, and as far as the other drop rock stations, I, I started through Radio A1A because Harry Tiefer came to me when we were in, living in Gold Shores and he's like, hey, do you want to broadcast these shows live? I'm like, yeah, come on up, broadcast them. And he's like, no, you'll do them. I'm like, uh, okay, I guess. And so that's how all that started. So really as far as radio stations go, I knew they were out there. But I really wasn't familiar with DJ Jeff and and all those others. As far as like Radio Margaritaville, when we first bought our station, Radio Trop Rock, I actually used Radio Margaritaville, the old, before they went corporate. Not to say it's good or bad, just before they went corporate. I used them as a model of how I wanted Radio Trop Rock to be, where it's just kind of laid back, you know, and, and fun. You do what you want, and it just is tied into Parrothead type lifestyle. Yeah, I uh, I didn't really start listening to Radio Margaritaville until I started right about the time Sirius took them over, or took them on board, I guess. So I I don't really remember those days that you talk you're talking about, or that you know I've heard Greg talk about. Oh yeah, times. Steve Huntington was the uh, the program director, and it was online only. Yeah, good times, good good days. Yes, and I think it's really interesting that uh, I mean, did you you and DJ Jeff ever even really meet? Did you ever meet him? Uh, oh, sorry. Uh, 
I never met him. No, I never had a chance to meet him because right when, when we were really getting into it is, of course, when his early demise, unfortunately, happened. Well, I, part of me thinks it's really sad that you two never met and, and got to hang out together. But part of me thinks it's kind of cool, uh, given the unfortunate circumstances surrounding his passing. But it's almost like you unknowingly kind of picked up where he left off in I think the th biggest thing you and he had in common is y'all traveled a lot. A lot of these other guys who do radio uh, in the sharp rock world, they don't travel a lot. DJ Jeff yeah. traveled a lot. You and Gina travel a lot. So I think uh, you kind of picked up that torch and ran with it, even though you probably didn't know that's what you were doing. Well, that really does mean a lot to me. And I certainly appreciate that. Uh, not sure if I'm worthy of that, but I appreciate it. And strangely enough, and this, I'm not making this up. Me and Bob Carwin, we're texting back and forth last night talking about exactly what you just said. Well, he that's goes, because two nights ago, Carwin and I recorded an episode where oh, we talked about this. Yes. <laughs> that, that very well could have been it then. And, and he's like, you really should have met him because you guys would have got along great. And the competition between you would have been good for the genre. And, you know, I agree that that competition is good because let me tell you, if we didn't have all those people on, you know, chasing after us and, and wanting to beat us and all this stuff, I would get so lazy, but I'm always, I can't get lazy because someone is going to come in and, and just swish us aside and, and take over. So, so competition is good, but yeah, he, he, he actually mentioned that he thought it would be good if, if we were both trying, you know, competing with each other to, to make the genre better. Yeah. I, th I think, um, I'm not going to compare, you know, different radio stations, uh, the, the skills or the, the format or anything of all the different trap rock stations. But I think uh, a big part of DJ Jeff's popularity back in, you know, 2010, 2012 was the fact that he was out and about people knew him as more than just a voice on their computer. I think the same thing applies to you now. And I think, I think when it comes to winning awards and, and just being yes. seen, you know, the popularity levels, getting out and being seen coast to coast makes a huge difference. That, that, that is 100% true. And, and I've said that. And when we win the awards in the acceptance speech, you know, uh, it, it's not necessarily that we are better. It's just that we know more people. And regardless, unless it's a sports competition, everything else that is voted for is a popularity contest, the presidential election. I mean, everything it's popularity contest. And it's, and because we're out there meeting all these people, you know, coast to coast, Obviously, they just happen to know us, so that's why we get more votes. It doesn't mean we're better than them. It just means they, they know us. Right, and it's true. People are going to vote for – if they have a choice between voting for a voice and voting for a voice and a face, they're yeah. probably going to vote for the voice and the face. That is exactly why I keep Gina on board because you know, if they got to vote for a face, yes. she's going to get the votes. There you go, although you, you have really nice hair, though. Well, I haven't gotten to cut it because, you know, the whole COVID thing. I didn't have hair like yours until all this started about three months ago, and now look at it. Yeah, uh, it's, it was pretty long before this. <laughs> but, hey, I want to talk about – so you, uh, 2016, you were working with Radio A1A, doing some shows for them. Um, and somewhere towards the end of that year, you, uh, you got interested. Was radio a big interest of yours? say like 2012, 2013, or was it just a? No, I love music and always have all the way back to, you know, the eighties, my high school days. I love music and I would make, you know, mixtapes and all that stuff and, and do fake DJing when I was a kid, but I never thought, you know, about it. So when, when uh, Radio A1A and Harry came to me about it, I'm like, I don't know how to do that. And then, you know, they show me how to do it. I'm like, well, this is easy, you know? So why not do this? And it's fun. And you get to meet a lot of really cool people. And then uh, we were notified that, that Todd Sparks was selling radio uh, Trop Rock. And I'm just like, uh, you know, why not? Because that's about the time we were about to start traveling. And that's when I figured, you know, if I'm going to travel the country and spend all this money traveling, why not travel under my own radio station banner as opposed to someone else's? And so that's when we decided to do, it was a good time, good timing to, to buy the station. And uh, what, what made you buy an existing station as opposed to starting your own? Because I remember you and I talking about this at the time and I, I might hope I don't piss anybody off saying this. You know, I, I honestly thought you'd been better off starting your own as opposed to 
getting into a station that didn't have a big listener base and a big established name? We, we would have been better off starting from scratch. Yes, we would have. Uh, basically, uh, when, and the reason I did it is because I didn't know how easy it was just to start a radio station. So I assumed if I buy this, all I got to do is step in. But then it, we bought it and we ended up having to change the server, update the website, uh, update the apps. Uh, I mean, everything. We, we basically bought the station and kept the logo and the website address and everything else we redid. So I think I would have been better off buying, I mean, starting a station from scratch. And we actually already had a name for it and everything. And we were, we were ready and I was just starting to research it. And then this came up and I'm like, well, why go through all that trouble if I can buy this radio station? And it probably cost me maybe two to two and a half times what it would have cost to start one from scratch. Uh, but I mean, it was, at the time, I just thought it was a simple, the easy way to do it. Well, you did get a great name out of it and a great logo. Um, I mean, you couldn't ask for a better name for a trap rock radio station than Radio Trap well, Rock. Well, that is, that is true. However, it does hinder us a little bit when all of a sudden these people are talking about, well, maybe we should call the genre this or that. And, and I actually talked about this with another radio station owner that you know I'm friends with because I'm friends with all of them. And we're talking. And he goes, hey, what do you think? Maybe we should change, you know, can you jump on board this and change it? And I'm like, dude, I am invested. My radio station is Radio Trop Rock. I have no choice. I am stuck with Trop Rock. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's interesting. Um, that conversation pops up occasionally. It seems to usually pop up after meeting in the minds every year. So maybe yeah. maybe we won't have to deal with it this year. I don't know. The the folks who want to change, uh, change the name of the genre. And um, I, I mean, I don't get it. You know, why we spent... 15 pushing 20 years at this point you know getting behind this name why do we want to change it now i don't i mean i can see some of the argument because people are always saying well you know every time i go somewhere and i tell people i play trop rock or i'm into trop rock, they go what the hell is that and so it, it is difficult to explain but i'm assuming so was rhythm and blues you know uh, a long time ago or whatever it just it's we just don't yet have the the power or the resources to make it more mainstream so when people do hear trop rock they'll think oh it's the the laid-back lifestyle music about beaches boats and bars okay yeah, yeah i know trop rock right you know i've, I've heard the names uh, tropical americana and coastal mm -hmm. americana and I, I actually really like coastal americana if we were starting yeah, from too. if we were coming up with a new name from scratch sure but we've already got all this time invested in it you know so right because you know I think people probably expect a little more rock and roll than, than they get out of, out of trop rock in general. When they hear, you know, if, if I say trop rock to somebody at T-Bone Tom's, it doesn't know. And then yeah. they come, then they come to riddles in the sand. They're probably expecting a little more rock and roll than, than you get most of the time. Mm -hmm. Unless Jimmy and the ferrets around. So uh, anyway, so you, you guys took it over um, pretty, pretty low listener base and everything. And then you just took off what by 2000, 2018, y'all were winning radio show, radio station of the year. Uh, 17. I know 17. You won show, but did you win station in 17? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, actually, yes, because 17 was the last year that they divided the uh, the small and large category, and the small was 10,000 uh, total listener hours per month or less, and that's where we fell in because they went by previous year's numbers, and the previous year was it was owned by. Well, it was before we took it over. So, yeah, there was tiny numbers. And uh, then the medium size was ten to 20,000, Radio A1A took that one. And then the 20,000 and up, there was no one in it except for Radio Margaritaville. And uh, so they didn't even have an award for that, I guess, because they assume they're the only one in it. And I, I, we're above that 20,000 by far now. And uh, I was pushing for everyone to be in the same because there are so few stations. I'm like – Let's, I mean, even though, you know, some are smaller than others, the, even the larger ones in the category aren't that, that big. So I think it's a fairly fair playing field and let's just make it all one. And of course that's what they did starting in 18, which is just one radio station a year. Yeah. So you guys, you, you got, I mean, it, it went on a hockey stick growth for you guys. It went through the roof pretty quick. Say that again. I said you had hockey stick growth. You just went straight up through the roof pretty quick. Oh, okay. I, 
I don't know hockey, but yeah, I understand now. Yes, uh, and strangely enough, we are still growing. Uh, we always see we we grow. We've grown every month, with exception of one month since we bought the station. And I can see the slow in the growth in the fall and the the early winter. And then as the spring, it picks up. But this spring, I was a little worried about it because of all the stuff going on. But it's actually growing almost like it did the very first year when we picked it up. It is just, it is, once again, going hockey stick. (laughs) I'm going to guess that the one month you didn't grow was December? It was the second December we had the station. There was something else going on at that point, and I forget what it was. Uh, I mean, it wasn't riots and, and COVID. There was something else that came up in the news where it, you know, people are like, focus on something else other than relaxing. I, yeah. I forget what it was. So I should remember it, but I don't. I mean, I just would think that December would, you know, for, for almost any form of media, December would be a slower month unless you're like Hallmark Channel or something, you know? Well, yeah. I expect this December to be huge for Radio Trop Rock because I don't think I've announced this yet. John Patty Sr. is doing a Christmas show for us that's going to air about four times between Thanksgiving and Christmas Day. JP's dad? Yes. That is awesome. It's going to be amazing, yes. Woo. Okay, so, so you can't share this until this episode airs next week because I want to tell everybody it's like a grand announcement. Yeah, okay. You know? <laughs> That's, so how did that come about? Let's just talk about all your shows because you built you have a lot of cool shows on the station. So, well, one of the things that that is important to us, uh, every show that is on our station is exclusive to our station, and that is I can appreciate a syndicated show and all that, but when it's internet radio, I want I want people to tune in. I don't want them to go, well, I'm going to miss it on Radio Trop Rock, so I'll pick it up on X, XYZ. I want them to have to tune into us to to hear that. Uh, the most recent show that we picked up was uh, Paul Roush Storylines. It's about a one-hour show where he talks about – he's got a theme, so it's either pirates or rum or whatever, and he goes into deep about the history of the song or the artist. And, like, he, you know, uh, George Harrison was, was drinking coffee at the whatever. I mean, it, I don't even know how he finds out this information, but it's a very interesting show. Uh, so that's Storylines. Then Gina's Four at Four is um, that is the most popular show on our station. I it's four songs. Maybe that's why because it's in and out quick. Four songs. She she talks does well and then she's out and it's a, a fun show. Uh, that one that show's been on for a little over a year. Then we have uh, Greg Dumas, which uh, we've told the story before, where I had to ask permission from you to get <laughs> Greg uh, yes. and. Greg does his happy hour show, which, you know, of course, as we talked about, is the one I copied and that he has brought back now on Radio Chop Rock. And uh, Matt Hoggett, Bayou Troubadour. And so the thing was when we wanted Greg because we wanted a connection to, to Radio Margaritaville. And we wanted Matt for that same reason. And the funny thing is that when Matt was working for Radio Margaritaville, I approached Matt and I go, hey, we want to do this show. I know you're with Radio Margaritaville, and that's cool. You can have your show on our station, and we'll pay you. And you can even mention your Radio Margaritaville show and promote that. I don't care. We just we just want you on there because I think you're funny. And so he he asked the program director there. Everybody knows who she is, and she said no, that we don't want that. And so within five minutes of when Matt announced, I think it was like December 26 a couple of years ago, Matt announced that he. Uh, you know, hey, Radio Margarita Bill, it's been a great run, blah, blah, you know, and, you know, it wasn't me, it, was, it, it wasn't you, it was me or whatever, you know, and I called him within five minutes of seeing that on Facebook, and I go, uh, hey, and he's like, yes, I will do it, but we have to wait a couple months so it doesn't look like I left uh, for this. I'm like, okay, and then uh, what other show do we have? Uh, we have uh, Tom Shepard's uh, The Songwriters, where he talks about a song and uh, with the artist that either perform the song or, or wrote it with him. And he tells the story basically behind the song. Uh, let's see what other, we have other one. What is it? I can't think of it. Dang it. But anyway. Yeah. But yeah, you've, you've definitely, I'm assuming that you, does the listenership really go up during those times when, when our original shows airing? Yes. Yes, they do. And some of those time frames where you see like a show at a, at a strange time, you know, a Wednesday night at 9 PM, I do that on purpose because I, I try and put a, a good show in on in a weak spot. 
So to bring that spot, bring in more listeners at that time. That's a good idea. That's, that's why you're so good at this because you have a brilliant mind. Well, and the, the, the other thing I do, you'll see uh, a lot of these shows, uh, Greg's show and Matt's show and uh, Paul's show all air more than once per week. And the reason is because it's not fair to put them into a weak spot because that also hinders them towards winning a TRMA award. Because obviously if it's a weak spot, even if they pick up listeners for us, they're not going to have as much as if they did in a strong spot. So each of them have their show one time in a strong spot and then one time in a weak spot. And uh, Matt won radio show of the year last year. He did the pre-recorded radio show of the year. That's right. I forget that we break it down into two separate uh, awards yeah. now, but, uh, and you guys, you and Gina have been doing your Trap Rock in the USA show for a long, long time now. Uh, we have. It actually started in before we even owned uh, Radio Trap Rock. It started on Radio A1A. And then, of course, when we moved over to Radio Trap Rock, we owned that show. So we brought it with us. So, yeah. But it has, it has changed quite a bit. Because if you remember it from the beginning, we would show up at Party Gras. And, all right, Trap Rock in the USA. And then we would just play what was on the stage, and then we come back, all right, that was Trap Rock in the USA. And as the events began to be farther and fewer between, we're like, well, we need to still have our show. Uh, so now it is me and her DJ and talk back and forth and give each other a hard time every Wednesday at noon central. And it's more of a regular radio show. It's just I didn't want to change the title to the, to the show because we still do it from different locations when we travel. Right, there are times you pretty much literally pull over on the side of the road and broadcast. Yes, we've done it. We've done it from a Walmart parking lot. Uh, we stopped in a Walmart parking lot, did the show, and then continued on. Another time we did it in Oklahoma in a casino parking lot, stopped, did the show, and then continued down the highway. Yes, I, I enjoy it. I try to. I try to always listen on Wednesdays when I get the chance. It's because of my dad jokes. Your dad jokes. It's mainly because of Gina. Gina makes me laugh. So. All right, well, I have – if people don't know what a dad joke is, I have a dad joke that – I now I have a thing I just started this week where I write one dad joke a week, and then I steal the rest from, from uh, social media and the YouTube and all that. So here's a dad joke that I, I wrote that will be on uh, next week's show, but I'm going to share it today. What is John Boy's favorite tea? I don't know. Tequila. Yes. Tequila. See? That's brilliant. Dad jokes. Uh, so I will tell everyone to tune in to um, Trap Rock in the USA to hear a dad joke about John Boy. So. And like I said, when you know Bob was talking to me uh, yesterday, he's like, you really should you know, do this type of show or this type of show. He's always giving me advice. And we are, like I said, because of the competition, the competition is tough out there for radio and radio shows. So we do have a couple shows in the works that we're going to start in January, probably. So look, look for that. And I want to know this. When is there going to be a two drunk guys on the radio in Kima so I can crash the show? Uh, yeah, yes, two drunk. See, they were asking why we didn't submit that for the TRMA uh, on, the, on the nomination ballot because we've only done it three or four times. Uh, plus, I don't know if we need that being a TRMA show. If, if it somehow won, that just wouldn't look good for the TRMA. Uh, but we need to do a two drunk guys on the radio. It's not just Donnie Brew all the time. It has been so far. That's just because we see him more. But uh, we're going we're gonna to bring in other artists and, and other guests and just get drunk on the radio and have fun. I, I look forward to doing this. It sounds like, you know, drinking tequila and acting a fool. That's pretty much the two things I'm good at in this world. So Yeah, and it's it, the funny part is like – Two and a half hours into the show, of course, we're hammered, and uh, our wives are sitting there going, "You guys need to get off the radio. Get off the radio." <laughs> and we're like, "We're just, you know, we're just now having fun." If, so yeah, if, so if, if I do could, a show, I don't have a wife to uh, to make me get off yeah, the radio. You, so there we I mean, go. If you could see the behind the scenes of of that, when when once we reach the two hour mark, it is it is interesting. So maybe you could put a twist on it, and at like the two hour mark, Gina and Michelle get a microphone too. Hmm. Like at two hours, it becomes two drunk guys and two pissed off wives on the radio. Yeah, yeah. That's definitely what it would be. <laughs> oh.
Hey y'all, this is Kitty Stedman from Drop Dead Dangerous. I want to thank you for listening to Trop Rock 101 podcast with Pirates and Poets. Pirates and Poets is a crucial platform for independent artists and writers, and they have been working tirelessly to make sure that we make it through this difficult time. Please show them your support as well by visiting piratesandpoets.net slash store or piratesandpoets.net slash donate. Cheers, y'all. Well, I want to later on, I want to talk about like, you know, where Radio Trop Rock is going to go in the future. Um, but right now, I want to talk about like some current events in the life of EJ Babine, which okay. is what I call you, you know, uh, because I like to make fun of the fact that you have your middle initial on your Facebook name. So, uh, but you are uh, running for the PHIP membership director. I am. I have been on the board for TRMA. This, this is my second year. Uh, three years back, I took the year off, and then a year before that, I was the membership director for TRMA. Uh, so I've done a two-year term for TRMA, and I am thinking I want to help in an, in some other way, not necessarily a bigger way, just just another way. And so Sue Kermis, who has been the membership director for PHIP for however long, has done a fantastic job, and so I saw that that was going to be open because she's not running for re-election. And so I was like, well, this is my opportunity possibly to help out the, the Parrothead Nation as opposed to the Troprot Nation. And so my goal is to hopefully get in there and work along with the other members of the PHIP board and see if we can make this thing grow. And one of the things I, I looked at when I was considering this is you look at like Facebook. I use a lot of Facebook references, but it is because it's just an easy way to gauge stuff. And so I looked at Facebook and the Jimmy Buffett official page has like 1.6 million followers. So you think 1.6 million followers on his official Facebook page, at least half of those, I, I mean, and I'm being conservative on that guess, have to be parrot heads. So why is there only 22 and a half thousand members of official clubs? And so I think there's a way to see if we can, I mean, those people obviously belong in Parrothead Clubs. We just got to figure out a way to convince them of that. And another thing, I have gotten to know some people that have started brand new clubs here in Texas. The uh, Padre Island Parrothead Club, of course, Corpus Christi, and the Lake Palestine Parrothead Club, and also a new one over in Florida, the the, uh, Heartland Lake Sharks in Seabrain, Florida. That's three new clubs that I got to know through our station. And I just really like what they were bringing to the community. And so I was like, if I can help with that and bring that to other communities, I, it would make me feel good. And also I think would be a positive thing and all this negative going on in the country right now. Uh, we need more positive stuff. So I just want the parent head nation to grow. And if we can work somehow uh, with the PHIP, the Parrot Heads, and work with other organizations with similar likes, then I think that would also be a positive. I definitely think it would be a positive. Um, you know, I have been involved with Parrot Head Clubs since 2004. Uh, I know you were like the youngest president in the history of the world or something, weren't you? I was actually not the youngest president because the guy who was who founded the club, he, he founded the club and was president for like a month before he handed it off to me, was younger than me. So... <laughs> Yeah, it's it's kind of crazy. But, uh, you know, back then, um, it seemed like to me that the the Parrothead world and what became the trop rock world, the, the music world, there was a whole, whole lot of overlap among those things. And over time, I think that overlap has gotten smaller and smaller. There's still an overlap, and there's still a ton of people who are Parrotheads and big trop rock fans. But uh, I think it would be, you know, nice if we could find a way to – to maybe increase that overlap and, and, you know, make it bigger. Um, Unfortunately, there's, there's been some friction there in the last few years and, and uh, hopefully that can be, those fences can be mended uh, in the coming years. Well, you know, when I was thinking of running uh, for a position with PHIP and and then I saw that membership director was going to be, you know, uh, she wasn't going to run again. I was like, well, that is perfect for me because we travel, and I, I get to meet these these Parrothead clubs from from Key West to, to Seattle, literally every you know everywhere yes. we go, and 
all of them are like, hey, what do you think about this? What do you think about this? And they all have these great ideas. And that's, I just want to bring them all together and speak with them and, and, and increase communication with them all. And it's like, hey, your, your club is very successful. What do you guys do that is making it successful? And then maybe these clubs that are struggling say, hey, this club over here is doing this and it's working for them. What do you guys think about that? And then it's just, I, I just want everyone to, to come together and, and communicate because right now I, I don't know if there's a lot of communication going on because people are, are kind of worried about their, their rice bowl or whatever they're, they're in their, their area and they're, they're doing okay, but they, they have these things that, the, that they're keeping inside and not sharing. And so we want them to share that, whether it be good stuff or bad stuff, and we can all, uh, you know, work out, you know, what works for folks and what doesn't work. It's like, oh, no, that club's already tried that. It really didn't work, and this is why. Yes, and, you know, that, you made a really good point. The way you travel, and I know you and Gina have talked about cutting. Of course, you cut back on the travel a lot this year. You had no choice. But I know you have talked about cutting back on the travel some. But I think that face-to-face connection you can make with people, again, all over the country. Um, you know, the Internet's a great and wonderful thing. It allows us to communicate with people the way we could not 25 years ago. But nothing is ever going to replace well, when, sitting down when at the I table was- with somebody. Thinking about running and, and the whole campaigning thing, because, you know, you can go on to uh, PHIP and look at the list of presidents. And so I'm like, well, I, I'm going to campaign for this because I, I want this because I want to help. And so I started looking and there were 37 presidents that, that I knew on a personal level. And I was like, OK, that's so, of course, I reached out to, to many of those and I was like, hey, I am running for this. I appreciate your support, you know. Uh, and anything you can do, you know, because a lot of people don't know how the the election for PHAP board works, but only each club gets one vote. And right. so the president submits that vote. Now, the president should be talking to the, the club or at least the board and like, hey, you know, here's here's the ballot. What do you guys think? And they discuss it and they decide who to vote for. But that's why I reached out to the president, because to make sure that there was no miscommunication, let them know that I I'm running for this position, and I'm very interested in getting it. So uh, when you made that announcement on Facebook that you were going to run for it, how many puppy pictures did you get in the comments? Uh, surprisingly, there, there, there wasn't as many as it should have been. And I'm just thinking, this really isn't politics. But then I'm like, well, yeah, I guess it is. But, yeah, there, <laughs> were, there was a few. Uh, and, by the way, Rudy Cox just uh, two days ago wrote a song, and the song is called Freaking Crazy. And I was the inspiration for it. In the chorus, he's talking about posting puppy pictures because the world's <laughs> freaking crazy and we just need to post more puppy pictures. Oh, so, great. That's pretty fun. Pretty funny. So, uh, yeah, so we talked about that. Hopefully, are you, is anybody running against you? Do you know right now? I, I don't know. I think that the nominations are being accepted up to August 1st. Uh, but right now, I haven't heard if anyone is or isn't because they really don't tell you you just kind of submit your paperwork and then you make sure all right you got everything you need and they said yes and they didn't i don't know i don't know if anyone's running against me interesting well that's that's what's on the horizon for eric babbin what's uh what's up next for radio trap rock and ebgb uh well trap rock and ozarks fest will be there yes and you know we have had uh, people are talking about how the artists are getting a lot of stuff canceled and, and stuff, but we, we have had eight events canceled since April. So uh, luckily Trap Rock and Ozarks Fest is not canceled. Then we'll come back here and uh, wash and wax the RV and get ready for a caravan of the keys. So I was talking to some folks today about Key West and what may happen for that week that used to be meeting in the mines. And I think we're all getting a little bit worried that, you know, we may go down there and have a party and no one show up. But when, when you boil it down, uh, a lot of these things going on have no, I don't say no money invested, but they no money on the hook. Like, like an event may have $39,000 where, uh, you know, if no one shows up, they're on the hook for it. A lot of the stuff that is still going to happen down there happens anyway. It's just bars with musicians. So hopefully that's still going to happen. We are still going unless the bars close. If the bars are closed, there's no reason to go. It's, it's not that I have to be in a bar to have a good time, but, I mean, let's face it. 
we're going to go to bars and see musicians play. So if the bars are closed, I, I don't think we're going to go. But if they're open, we're going to go and we're going to have fun, even if it's just us and another 20 people that just happen to be down there at the same time. We're going to go vacation. That'll be nice. No one's down there. We'll have Key West to ourselves. You can just run wild down the ball yeah. street. <laughs> Naked. They'll think it's fantasy fest. There you go. They'll be like, we canceled that. Why, why is that guy? Put, put your clothes back on. So 2021, of course, I mean, I, I think 2021 at this point is a bigger question mark than 2020 for a lot of us. Um, we know that little of nothing's going to happen the rest of the year, you know, trap rock and the Ozarks and hopefully Key West. That's all that's left. Um, what do you, what do you think is going to happen in 2021? I think 2021 is going to be bigger and better than ever. I think this will be past us and people will be confident enough to go out and have a good time. And all this up energy that they've had in 2020 is going to be let out in 2021. And so I guarantee you at least one time during 2021, you're going to find Donnie Brewer naked in a gutter. Oh, wow. That's a big, uh, yeah. it's going to happen. Big guarantee. Is Michelle yeah. in on this or? No, she, she'd probably be back in the RV, you know, watching TV, selling so, t-shirts. So you, you're going to actually make two things happen here. You're going to get Donnie Brewer so drunk that he ends up naked in the gutter, but you're also going to have to make him so piss off Michelle so bad that she lets him end up naked in the gutter. Well, first of all, no one has to make Donnie Brewer drunk. That just happens. <laughs> and, and second of all, I mean, you know, you've seen it where Michelle and Donnie is, is, has enough capable hands around him, taking care of him. Like, well, not you and me because we're just as drunk. But she knows he's taken care of, and she will go back. She'll go, I'm tired. I need some rest. I got a lot of work to do tomorrow. So she'll head back to the RV and just leave him. And, yeah, that's when it's going to happen. Got you. I, I think the gutter should be on Bourbon Street. Oh, yeah. And they're cleaner now. They're cleaner now, yeah. They're, they're, they redid the street, and there's been nobody there for – five months now to mess it up so yeah um i i think the same thing's going to happen I'm, I'm still a little more than a little worried about the wintertime events um party girl uh, music on the bay you know it's outside so i they'll probably have some restrictions but i think they're in better shape than than the indoor events yeah uh my event in port Aransas, i'm worried about but i think once we get to like mid-march on once the weather warms up next year i think you're right i think it's going to be uh it's going to be on so yeah hopefully it will work out that way and uh and of course we have the surf ballroom to look forward to next labor day yes. weekend so that uh personally i think that hurt me more than anything else that's gotten canceled i mean key west could get canceled and it would not bother me as much as the surf getting canceled or postponed i should say well, you know, we had a whole uh, Midwest tour scheduled because we were going to go to uh, Summer Chill, then Trop Rock, Ozarks Fest, and then up to Island Fever Showcase. And then two of the three get postponed. And I'm just like, well, that's, you know. And so we're basically losing money on this deal because we needed all three of those due to the cost of travel to, to come out ahead. Uh, but that's all right. We're going to go up there and have a great time. Yeah, and, and talking about uh, everything that's been going on with COVID-19 and people losing gigs and events, um, you and I have had the opportunity to uh, be part of the board for we're, – we're both on the TRMA board, but we've been part of the board for the Trap Rock Artist Relief Fund. And uh, that's been a really interesting thing to be a part of. I think it's one of the most rewarding things that I have gotten to do in, yeah. in Trap Rock and Parrothead World. Um and we've done a lot of good, and but I want to encourage any musicians who have not applied to go ahead and apply um, because I think we still have the capacity to help out a lot more folks. Uh, Kristen McFadden's raised a lot of money. So, Yeah, Kristen McFadden is our super fan of the summer, by the way, because of uh, what she's done coming up with the idea for Trap Rock Strong and how much money it is raising for the artist. And in this time where it might be difficult to find, you know, who, who's been a great fan because, you know, obviously people aren't going out and doing stuff, but there's a lot of people, you know, tipping on the virtual tip jars and stuff. And then Kristen McFadden just took it to a, a, another level where she came up with this idea and Donnie Brewer uh, ended up doing the logo. And now they're making thousands of dollars that are going to help out those trap rock artists that are losing all those gigs. So, I mean, just I, the idea right there just the idea of that makes her a super fan of the summer alone but she's also huge in promoting it 
and just doesn't let it go. She's always there promoting it, promoting it, promoting it, getting other, uh, other people to bring that on as their primary charity for events and other things. So good on her, Kristen McFadden. Yes. And, uh, uh, Melanie, Howe, Melanie Howe and I talked about this a couple episodes ago. Uh, you, for a really long time, went to a lot of effort every day to compile and share a list of each day's uh, quarantine concerts from Trap Rock artists. Yes. that Let me tell you, that was – and it just kind of happened by accident because it was – Right. At the, it was at the very beginning of this when people started doing them and I would make a list because people were like, oh, you know, what's going on? And then J.D. Spradlin, who has a lot of followers on his uh, Radio Margaritaville page, was sharing those. And it became you would not believe the burden it became because every morning I'd be up at 630 uh, just looking and then I would have an artist contact me. And it would just be if I happened to see it scroll across Facebook, I would put it on there and or if they shared it on the, uh, the uh, quarantine page. And then I would have artists contact me and go, hey, why didn't you put my, my thing on there? I'm like, uh, did you tell me about it? And they're like, oh, I'm supposed to do that? I'm like, well, how else am I supposed to know unless I happen to see you post it? And so, and let me tell you, Gina was, she's just like, she's like, you, you're spending way, I was, it was three to four hours a day I was spending on that to make sure the links wow. were correct and all this stuff. And then finally I figured out that people are having weekly events. And so I would just put a W next to it. So I'd know not to delete it. And, but then, you know, whoever he's like, Oh, I'm not doing one this week. And you had me down. I'm like, oh, you know, you said it was weekly. And so ended up, and that's when it was supposed to be getting better. The, the COVID-19 was supposed to be getting better. And so I thought it was going to wind down. And so as soon as I saw a chance to, to jump off that, that flaming wagon, I'm like, all right, uh, I did it. it. Things are winding down. I'm out. And I just had to get out of it. Yeah. I mean, I knew you put a lot of work into it, but three or four hours, that's insane. Well, and the funny thing is, as soon as I stopped doing it, people were contacting me personally and going, hey, where's that schedule? What happened? Wait, I'm like, I, I'm not doing that anymore. Wow. You know, it's one of the interesting things to me uh, – like March and April and most of May when everybody was still pretty much shut down. Um, the anxiety then for all the artists and, and even for people like me and you was like, how are we going to make money? You know, yeah. now I've seen the anxiety go to, we have shows, we have a show next weekend, but is the show going to ha- get canceled? Are we going to get halfway to the show and it gets canceled? Uh, and honestly, I think the anxiety of, I'd almost rather it go back to like nothing happening and you just know nothing's going to happen. I think the anxiety of like, is the show going to happen? Is it going to get canceled? Can I, can I get a second show on the way? I think that is almost worse yeah. than just not having anything. Well, that, that is worse because now we're just sitting around waiting for the next thing to be canceled. And, and I, I joke about this to Gina, but it's, it's almost true, you know, cause we have Trop Rock and Ozarks Fest, uh, Caravan of the Keys, uh, Mexico Meltdown. And that's the three things we have to the end of the year. Uh, then, then at the beginning of the year, of course, Party Gras and then Lone Star Luau. And so, and I told you, and I'm like, why didn't just everyone cancel everything and just let me go get a regular job in town just for like a year <laughs> until all this blows over? I mean, because it's just, just waiting for the next shoot to fall. The next one canceled, so there, there goes another, you know, another month's worth of payments on the RV or whatever. So it, yeah, just let's cancel everything. Let me go get a real job for a year, and then we'll pick it back up where we left off. Yeah, it's been frustrating, and uh, I, I'm looking forward to things getting back to normal. I, I agree with you that I think, uh, I think you know, shortly after Christmas time, things are going to start getting better. And uh, but there is there's something I am doing now. I'm I have picked up a musical instrument because I thought maybe. Uh, if I learn to play an instrument, I maybe do a virtual show and make some money through the virtual tip jar. So I have my first performance uh, with this instrument, by the way, was during the two drunk guys on the radio uh, two, three weeks ago. So I don't know if you saw it, but I would like to maybe demonstrate my musical talents, if that's okay with you. Yes, get after it. Okay. What do you think? Well, folks, uh, you couldn't see it, but you heard it. EB has a triangle. That's right. I was expecting a ukulele or possibly a kazoo, but somehow you managed to get, find something even dorkier than a kazoo. <laughs> well, you think it's dorky now, but you just wait. I have some 
some lessons planned with John Patty Jr. And uh, he's, he's going to bring me up to speed on, on the triangle playing. Got you. Uh, uh, does JP know what he's getting himself into? I'm really worried about him now. <laughs> hey, uh, tell me, so tell, you didn't tell me the Christmas show with, with JP Sr. How did that come about? Ah, uh, Okay. Last year, uh, Christmas time, we were at uh, JP's Christmas show in, I don't know, where was that, Sarasota, Florida, wherever it was. We were there, and, and uh, John Sr. was there, and we were just discussing how much I love Christmas and that type of stuff. And, of course, uh, John Sr. also loves Christmas. And so time passes, time passes, and we're actually in Florida uh, this Past spring, we were there for an RV tech school, whole different story, but we were there. And uh, I get this call, and it says, and it just says, John Patty, and I missed it. So I call John JP, and I'm like, hey, what's going on? You just called me. And he's like, uh, well, no. First, I just started talking to him, you know, small talk. And then it kind of got awkward. Like, why are you calling? And I was like, uh, didn't you just call me? And he goes, no. I go, oh, that must have been your dad. So his, his dad used to do a Christmas show, and it was called, I think, Christmas in Maryland, and it was a radio show. His dad is a, is a radio broadcaster, and he used to do a Christmas show up there that was really popular, and he would interview the locals and talk about things that, that they do for Christmas and how much they enjoy their Christmas traditions and all that. And, he, and I guess he talked to JP about it, and JP likes Radio Trap Rock for whatever reason. And so he goes, I bet Eric would have let you do that. So that's how it was born. He just wanted to continue that because the, the show he did up in Maryland, they, they changed their formats. And of course, then, then you know how when corporations take, start taking over radio stations, what they do with them. And so they, they cut that show the following Christmas. And so now he wants to bring it to Radio Trop Rock. And I'm telling you, I have heard uh, a sample of the show from what it was before. And this is going to be a 100% professional quality. Uh, it's going to, he's, well, one of the things he was going to do was, was talk to people at Island Fever Showcase. And, you know, let's say it's Betty from Kansas. Well, tell us about your traditions in Kansas for, for Christmas. And he would tie all that in for different parts of the country uh, of their different traditions and play trop rock uh, Christmas tunes and all this. And so I'm not sure what he's going to do about the interviews, but it's going to be a great show. Sweet. I'm looking forward to, uh, to that. <clears throat> very, very cool. So, uh, all the traveling you and Gina have done the last few years, uh, all over the country, literally Seattle to Key West and everywhere in between. What's like the favorite stop or event or show? What's the one thing? Uh, all right. I was asked this same question on the Blame It on Buffett podcast. Oh, crap. And here's my answer. Every event is outstanding in its own way. They each are amazing, have their own little things that set them apart from each other. There is no way I could pick one from the other. All right, now that we've gotten the canned answer, give me the real answer. Well, I mean, really, all these events that we go to are, are like family reunions, and I, I really do mean it where everyone has something a little bit special to it, you know, what, for example, laid-back attack, when it, you know, because we went to the, the last laid-back attack and enjoyed that one. It had, it's got a totally different feel than, you know, the Island Fever Showcase at the Surf Ballroom. You got Party Gras on Bourbon Street. You got the Lone Star Luau, which brings in uh, just amazing artists for songwriter type things. Uh, Nash Bash in Nashville, great setting. You know, one night in, during the day, you're sitting there, you know, crying as this guy is singing a song about his dad uh, in a songwriter setting. And then four hours later, you know, you're on, I guess it's Broadway in Nashville, just partying it up with Southern Draw Band. Uh, so, I mean, really, they all do have their own little things you know ozark fest just a great setting right there on the lake of the ozarks uh, there's no way I, I could pick one location i'll tell you what surprised me though in the travels it's not an event but new jersey because being a, a texan from louisiana i always thought new jersey as being what you see i guess on tv you know people talking funny it's big city smog and all this we roll into new jersey to the leaky tiki and they have five acres and we're parked in their driveway, two RVs parked in their driveway end to end and not even making a, a dent on the driveway. It's a huge place, beautiful. And as we're driving into town, there's all these uh, like 
Western wear shops. There's a, a rodeo ground. And I'm like, New Jersey? What? So that really surprised me. New Jersey was a, a great surprise. All right. I, I wanted to visit New Jersey as it is, but now I want to go see the Cowboys in New Jersey. So. <laughs> All right, we close it out with some rapid-fire questions. Are you ready? Sure. All right. What's your favorite Jimmy Buffett song? Death of an Unpopular Poet. Oh, I thought it was going to be Last Mango in Paris. That one, that one has some meaning to it. but And the sad thing is I'd always wanted to get a dog and name it Spooner. So Gina, of course, got to name Delaney because uh, I think I was – deployed her somewhere when she got Delaney. But when we got uh, the, the next dog, we were living in Pensacola. And unfortunately, that dog died after we had it for 10 days. Oh, God. Yeah. And that dog was named Spooner. So I'm like, well, that kind of ruined the name Spooner for me. And so, yeah. but it kind of worked out because now we have Carlos, the bartender. Yes. What is your favorite cocktail? Beer. That's not a cocktail. Uh, well, if I had to go cocktail, probably... A oh bushwhacker. Mm. You lived near the Florida for a while. So. <laughs> yes. What is your favorite trap rock song? No, not gonna do that one. Ah, thought I might get you in that. All right, Bob Marley or Kenny Chesney? Different moods for for diff Yeah, it it would depend. Okay, what's a I book that? Go ahead. I would probably say, if I had to pick, I'd probably say Kenny Chesney only because I like upbeat stuff that is, is yeah, I like more upbeat stuff. So I, and I know people are like, what? Kenny Chesney or Bob Marley? But yeah, it's more upbeat. Okay. What is a book that you've read in the last few years that you think everybody should check out? Anything that has to do with the Jake Sullivan series because it is every title of the book, every book title is – a Jimmy Buffett song. And obviously the book is based on, you know, all around that song title, you know, come Monday, Pirate Looks at 40 and that type of stuff. So if you are a Buffett fan, definitely the Jake Sullivan series. All right. What's your favorite beach? West beach, Gulf shores. That's not surprising. Well, and Saga dollar bar was that white Bay, but you know, you can't get there all the time. No, can't get there right now. Yeah. Uh, what is your favorite Jimmy Buffett album? Ooh, probably uh, – I'm going to have to say Feeding Frenzy because that's what got me into it. You know, I meant to tell you this, but, uh, but you were on a roll at the very start of this interview. That was the first Buffett album I had as well. Uh, oh, really? Yep, I got, a, I got that and Beach House on the Moon together. Uh, the day after I graduated high school, like Beach House on the Moon had just come out and they were like, I, I went to Best Buy and I was like, I want a Jimmy Buffett CD. And they were like, well, you should get a live one. They were like, but this one just came out. So I got both of them together. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Yes. And uh, here's the big question. If you were going to build a Mount Rushmore of trap rock artists, what four faces would you put on it? Uh, Jerry Diaz, Sonny Jim, Brent Burns, Kelly McGuire. That'd make a great show right there, like a legend show. Yeah, you that know, was an easy pick because that was a show. There you go. And uh, I do want to point out that that show was the inspiration for this podcast with a focus really? on this. Yes. Remember four or five months ago when I had you send me the the uh, audio from that show? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like I remember thinking during that show, you know, that that the show was great and somebody should do something to kind of further the idea of preserving the history. Yeah. Especially since we've already lost like Jim Morris and DJ. Well, I mean, that show, the legends of Trop rock. I just thought it was gonna be a bunch of stories that we'd already heard. And they were telling stories on that stage that not only we hadn't heard, but even the legend sitting next to them that it had to do with it, hadn't heard of that story. And you're, you're just like, I cannot believe that we're learning this. It was just like the, like the gospel, the church of Trop rock. Yes. I mean, it was, it was a great idea that Donnie had. And, and, uh, originally I spent, I haven't talked about this yet. I spent several weeks like transcribing a lot of that. Really? My, orig my original idea was I was going to take it and like make it an article or something like that, you know? Oh, yeah. and then I was like, you know what? Uh, I'm a lot better at podcasts than I am typing. So here we go. And that, we have Trap Rock 101. So 
Yeah, there are there are a few shows that that we replay, and that is one we've replayed, I think twice. And now that I think about, it, I'm probably gonna re replay it again. Another one that we have replayed uh, more than once is the Boat Drunks when they did their uh, big thing on July 3rd. I think it was two years ago, and they did like a history of the Boat Drunks where they using music and they talked about the song and why it was you know at that part in the their the Boat Drunks history, and so. It was really cool. It was the history of boat drunks, and I have that done down, and I'll probably play that one again. That was really cool. I might have to have you send me that because that's, that's yeah. pretty cool. I didn't know that existed. So, uh, And the last, if you were going to add a fifth face to that Mount Rushmore, but it's a offstage person, somebody who runs events or does radio, anything like that, who would that person be? John Burns. That's, that's not an acceptable answer. Oh. Uh, hmm. Well, I'll tell you, this summer, it would be Kristen McFadden. Okay, Kristen McFadden. There we go. The super fan of the summer, as you call her. Yes. All right, there we go. Well, Eric Babin of Radio Trap Rock, thank you so much for jumping in here and doing this with me. Um, uh, I had not, When was the last time I saw you in person? I don't know. Was At it least? the Luau? Yes, the Luau. Wow. So February. Yeah, that's crazy. I look forward to seeing you and Gina in person in just a couple of weeks in Missouri. So That's right. You have a Pirates and Poets show there, don't you? We do. We have a Pirates and Poets show with uh, Bob Carwin, uh, Rick Lamb, and Eric Erdman. So it's going to be a good time. And what, what, when is that? What part of the schedule? That uh, We start at Friday morning at 11 a.m., poolside. Friday morning. Mm -hmm. uh, oh, it's poolside. Yes. Hey, can we broadcast that? Uh, sure. Yes, okay. you can. <laughs> have to ask you why we're on this so you can't say no. Yeah, there you go. All right. Well, uh, Mr. Eric Babin, thank you very much. Thank you, sir.